Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that may sound like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, this is Hugh. Hello, you got it wrong. How did I get it wrong? Especially from the outside, sounds like we did. We literally had to listen oh, to an old shit. episode. It's yeah, all right. no, you're right. No, uh, okay, no, no, we'll keep it on. And keep this in because it makes it sound authentic and, and organic. <laughs> and, like, okay. go on then. I think that's part of our appeal. Okay, go on then. Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion from the outside that may just sound like screaming and crying. You see, that was like proper tongue muscle memory. Yeah. I did that perfect, but I was reading it, but I didn't bring my little book that I only have the intro in. (laughs) Anyway, we're We're back. back. We're back. (laughs) I'm back. God, this is the longest we've gone without podding in Hmm. the entirety of it. Um, Hmm. We last did an episode in late June, early July. Feels a lot longer. Something like that. Because it was three weeks. It was three weeks before we went camping, and we were going to do something camping, but then we were getting on average about three hours of sleep a night and drinking ourselves to oblivion. So yeah, um, yeah, that didn't (laughs) didn't happen. We were communing with nature. We were communing with nature in a field in England. Letting Afghanistan Um, fall. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was the working. Yeah, that was the main contribution. That's what I wrote on that little. uh, Yeah, when we were through the fire ritual. Um, what I wanted was for Afghanistan to fall. I literally was, you know, hoping for it. I like, did a sigil, I did everything. Yeah. Um, that was a shout... Actually, it's a good time to do a shout-out to the organiser of that as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a... There's Twitch. a Twitch channel uh, called The 13th... I think it's the 13th Cult. The 13th Cult. That's the exact thing. I can't remember the exact uh, address. Uh, run by our good friend Mike, who uh, also designed our logo. Yes. Which was... Really nice, and we went on like a little camping thing with him. Um, also served as kind of like a really nice, like weird pseudo stag do for me because I spent the last three months getting married. Yeah, it took you three months. It, took it was me. a very long ritual. It was incredibly long, very intricate. Um, I haven't eaten a thing. <laughs> um, uh, and also, like, we have actually also been um, auditioning and who are hopefully going to be selected to be the uh, new presenters of The Big Breakfast. So that's coming back. <laughs> God, I've got this going they wanted, uh, they wanted some has-beens from the 90s coming back, so they thought, no, Big Breakfast, no, and no, us. No, it's me and you will be the new Zig and Zach. Oh, that would be so good. Just me and you sitting in the bathroom. I don't remember Was anything. Was Zig and Zach in the bathroom? They were in the bathroom, yeah. But also, I don't remember anything that they did, other than they had that comedy rap single. We could do a comedy rap single. We should do a comedy rap single. Mm-hmm. Um, what else has happened? Um, um, I I lost a lot of weight. Yeah, you've been dieting. Yeah, big content warning there, obviously. But um, no, like you know, lockdown, lack of control over life. So you know, decided to control the things I can. Mm. Um, back to lifting, enjoying that a lot. That's really nice. Definitely, like, I noticed the thing. Like the last time I was like lifting heavily, was like around like not long after I got back from Australia like mm. <laughs> the, the, the first Tory government when it's like <laughs> oh no all these police they're making me nervous I don't like it they're bigger than me I need to get bigger <laughs> I need to be able to lift a policeman above my head I can overhead press the weight of an average man in right gear I did look it up <laughs> <laughs> and I could squat three of them <laughs> So, so if you ever need to slowly lower them to the ground... <laughs> and then lift them back up again. But the problem three is... three sets of five. <laughs> if people were throwing riot police your way and you wanted to save their lives... Yes, I can catch Oh, it's all backfired. <laughs> That's all I'm good for now. You're pro-cop now. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, we, 
it's that weird thing. It's like, it's been a long time, but also we haven't really done much because we've been locked in our houses. Well, not really locked in houses. There's a sort of pseudo outside now, which is more, it feels, oh, it's weird. That, I mean, that's the kind of the first thing we wanted to talk yeah. about really is like, the, we did a few episodes on Rona and sort of how we felt about the conditions of living through it. Hmm. And now it's kind of like, ah, oh, we should pick that up and see where things are. And it's like, well, Rona never happened. Yeah, but Do you know also, what I mean? like, also it, it will forever happen. Yeah, yeah. You've selected the elements of this that you would like to keep, i.e. anything that, all the little things that make life bearable are now completely forbidden to you. Mm. But you will still be able to go and spend money. Yeah, locks on the drawers in the um, the office kitchen, but mm. you can go to a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like I got like I haven't really come into contact with much Rona infrastructure, I guess. But we went on a little holiday after we got married, and we went to because <laughs> you, you really weren't having to deal with much at all, and then you decided to go right into the deep end with international travel. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the thing is that I like I didn't um, I didn't do the thing of completely isolating. Me and my wife are very lucky. We don't have any particular long term health problems, and it wasn't a full sense of bravado, but it was a kind of sense of. There has to be a balance between being mm. able to maintain some kind of being around people and not getting nervous. Oh yeah, like at, nervous, the, at, the, start, I mean? at the start of all of this, I was very much acting as secure as I could be, but now I'm 100% just protecting the people around me. Yeah. You yeah. mean like I wear masks on the train? And yeah. Plus, but I'm not going to not go into the pub. Yeah. But like I hadn't come up against any significant COVID infrastructure other than the tube. Mm. And... I then decided to go on holiday. So I went to, uh, like, a group, we looked at green list countries and it was like Croatia. Hmm. Um, so in order to go to Croatia, you had to buy, buy hmm. um, three different tests, corona tests. One for, like, 72 hours before you went. Hmm. You had to buy, a, uh, that was a PCR test that you sent off. You had to buy a lateral flow for when you were there for two days before you came back. Hmm. And then another PCR test to send off two days after you got back. Mm-hmm. Right, ran us to about two hundred and fifty pounds, um, and I thought it was going to be some kind of like like special thing, you know, mm. like and the PCR tests were a little more involved. It's <clears> the same swabbing mm. swabbing your nussy and <laughs> getting your nussy getting your nussy prodded, and then asking someone to look at your nussy and see if you have Rona or not. But the it came back and it was fine and like you went there and it's like well no one really looked at it on the yeah. customs side you did the middle one which was the lateral flow one which was like i think 30 quid on its own and that was you did a normal lateral flow test with the little line yeah and you took a picture of it next to your passport 30 quid 30 quid and it's like someone's the same as the out. ones that we get seven for free if you just go on the website oh yeah no you sp- it specifically says you are not allowed to use the nhs free tests because they presumably would say, oh, well, we need the infrastructure. We need to be able to pay people to look at this. Hmm. But of course, course, yeah, that's the... Well, of course they wouldn't, because it's like, you know, you've been, like... It's like travelling across borders, like, late at night, and the difference in how much they pay attention to passports. Oh, man, yeah, we got back back into the UK at about 11. It was, like, Hmm. one of the last flights. And um, the first time that I, I went... I saw their like new border stuff, the biometric passport stuff, mm. which is 
and, and I hadn't really, it was quite busy with the first time I went abroad and came back to that, but this time it was like empty. There was like very few people there. And you get to actually see what it actually is when you can see past mm-hmm. the gates. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one dude sitting in a shell and there's just two different cameras that look at your face and your passport. It's literally that. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing special about it. All, all I could think was like, th- when I was forking out all that money for kind of Rona stuff, is like, oh yeah, no, we are going to have to watch very carefully to see if the same thing happens after all of this stuff, all the testing is over. We're going to have to look very carefully at where all that money has gone. Not because you want to get it back, but you're going to be seeing what class is empowered by the sudden influx of wealth in the same mm. way as after the credit crunch. Mm. You had the, the the load of venture capital money going into stupid tech ideas like the Juicero mm. is a direct response of the like gathering of the immense amounts of capital with nothing for it to do. Mm. Now that went to banks and it got filtered out to, like I say, venture capital funds after 2006, 2007. Now... What are these companies going to be spending it on? Like, what is their financial interest? Is it just going to go... It might just go back into the markets, but of course, you could set... Like, some of these people must be earning enough money that they could quite easily set themselves up as financial institutions themselves. Hmm. So, like, we probably do need to keep an eye on that because that is where a significant amount of... Maybe not as much as the credit crunch, but a significant amount of, like, financial gravity is going to be concentrated around biotech firms so mm. i presume we're all going to be genetically engineered this time in 10 years but. <laughs> oh yeah because you went to uh, just because yeah, you went to croatia the only holiday the same place that is the only holiday i went on with my parents before they split up because my dad insisted on only going to communist countries nice i am um, it was weird like i haven't ever been to that part of the world but i'm really fascinated by like central and eastern europe's history and it's like present yeah because i remember you did a thing of um you did the really stupid thing of reading a load of stuff about <laughs> the history of the yugoslav war just before turning up and then spent your whole time staring at men of a certain age <laughs> like looking at security guards who were like 50 and it's like who are you in 1992 it's one of those things of like I, I, I might do an episode in it at some point in the future i'm not a fucking expert i read a book but it's you really, read a book and freak yourself out on your honeymoon. <laughs> it's really interesting to go to a place that's so actively trying to deny genocide in its history. It's so interesting to be in somewhere so different <laughs> from the so UK alien. and so aliens. People actively trying through their monuments, through their material <laughs> culture and through the things that ordinary people on the street will tell you about their understanding of their own history. And to have such obvious facts omitted, <laughs> gladly, happily, with a smile on their face. <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, but it was strange coming back through like um, through customs and, yeah, seeing the Emperor Has No Clothes, having Emperor, Emperor Has No Clothes moments all the way through. Mm. And kind of uh, them still doing the, uh, the plastic bottle thing was weird like yeah. one bag of plastic bottles but it can be in your carry-on but also it can you can put as many plastic bottles in your luggage as you want and oh, yeah, all those, like that all like, those little rules are always weird it's like it's that thing of back when i was smoking the amount of times that i was like um stopped from one small thing of like liquid but the amount of times i'd forgotten completely about lighters in my pockets because yeah. you know smokers you always have lighters everywhere um and yeah the amount of times i've done that like um i remember one flight of like <clears throat> my zippo leaking on the fucking plane when it was in my pocket 
<laughs> that was, I think that was on, on going back from Australia and like just petrol being all over my leg. <laughs> Makes you feel nervous when suddenly you can smell petrol and you're like, oh no. Because you're allowed like one lighter on there, aren't you? Um, I don't know if you are allowed to bring one. Are. are you? Yeah, currently. Because the smoking you, being such an... And it's like you have to keep part. all your vape stuff on you. Yeah. Like in the cabin because oh, yeah, it's pressurised it. yeah. otherwise. It's pressurised in the hold and the batteries can explode. Ah. Um, and it's just like you come through the border with like only one dude looking at like all these people's passports and it's like you just try to cut costs here. Like you've been... Mm. You, whole political careers have been based on the idea that you are going to like secure I don't even know I mean I know what it means for people who are on the wrong end of it but mm. secure the border and like what positive outcome comes from that well it's all been done in this this the way that they've done it and it's like been with how the policing has happened all the way through Rona and what we're left with now now that like coronavirus isn't done there are still people dying there's still people being having their lives ruined infections, thing, infections are like 39,000 that's um, there's a thing I found out about today Covid toe that fucking horrified what? me. Okay, so if it's like more common in teenagers and kids, yeah, and especially if they didn't Always get any sucking symptoms, sucking on them toes. Well, they get it's the first the place that gets infected. <laughs> they get the symptoms of like um, the same kind of thing as chilblains. So like bliss, like swelling and blistering and lesions on their toes. Ugh. And it's like, oh what? yeah, they say that's from COVID. And apparently, it's like it's much more reduced now because of the vaccine. But it's like. I haven't heard about this fucking monstrosity before. Well, they were saying that schools are fine, but, you know, maybe your kid's toes will fall off. Has your kid got COVID toe? No, my kid does not have COVID toe. Make sure to check. <laughs> but it's also like, that, you know, those, those things, are, you know, so it's still going on. But in general, like, the security apparatus in the country around it have, have gone. Like the, in a sen- like, the police don't have as many powers as they did, but they still kept some. Like, well... They seem more empowered than ever before. Like, you got to remember, like, before we went into Rona, we had Black Lives Matter. Mm. And the general acceptance that the, well, from a lot, a lot of people that the police, especially, like, the liberal side of the country, that the police were being unfair to black people, which, mm. you know. The recognition of a situation that had gone yeah. on too long with, presented with new, fresh, uh, <sighs> A new fresh class accepted. It was the case. That's, uh, yeah. that's about as best um, as I can put it. Like, and then we, you know, then they started talking about all the police powers that they obviously needed over, because of Rona, because everyone was so frightened. That, and then immediately they were like, "Yes, of course, you definitely need all this." And like, so many, so many ostensibly liberal left people were like completely okay with it, which was, but unsurprisingly, what happened was they mainly targeted young black men because it was also like it was very vaguely applied. It yeah, was a, it was a blank check to well, say, yeah, like, "Well, if you the, think something's wrong," well, one of the things just I saw check. was it's like, well, for a while, the police could fine you for mingling. Yeah, and then all I could think was, um, remember they were talking about um, it was your wife now. Um, her being annoyed at the the how many English words there are for a walk, like a walk, a trundle, a saunter, a meander, a a saunter. yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, what the fuck is a mingle? What is the definition of a mingle? What's the difference between a mingle and a gathering and a hoedown and a box social? Especially seeing as in every, literally every country, like even more repressive countries, there is literally a definition of mm. more than three people gathered yeah. in a single area and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, like it's a very, very lot because of the nature of policing and history of policing. It is a very long-standing, defined thing. Yeah, is a, pu- a public gathering. Yeah, but like um, I was because I was looking into it again, 
I'd completely forgotten that the police were using drones to shame walkers on hills oh, and man. posting pictures of it. Um, and while doing that, um, stop and searching, stop and searching like an absurdly large number of young black men, more so than normal. But you know, taking pictures of hikers, of white hikers, and just going. <laughs> but then, you know, all these young black people with their house parties, and it just kept on thinking this. The one of the places I walked the dog is well before the construction started on our new gigantic ice rink because we needed a bigger ice rink in Walthamstow apparently. It's true. It is true. Like the amount of times I went for an ice skate and I just couldn't because it was full of ice skaters. Your pirouette has become shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. become a shambles over lockdown. Um, but anyway, so they're, they're making that bigger. So my car park is gone. Anyway, so driving down there, what, it's like right on the border of Hackney. It's like near Clapton, this ice rink. Yeah. And driving down there, so you're driving down the Labour Road and the Labour Road, like coming from one end, you're coming from Hackney, coming from the other end, you're coming from Walthamstow. And we were turning into the thing, and police stopped us to ask us what we were doing there. And it was like, we're coming to walk the dog. And they're like, okay, okay, but you know, got to be careful. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but then, yeah. Um, it was while I was getting the dog all sorted, ready for our walk, I noticed that they weren't stopping every car. They were stopping every car coming from one direction. And they were stopping every car coming from the Hackney direction, and not stopping the ones driving into Hackney. Mm. And it's like, why are you doing that? Know why you're doing that. Know exactly why you're doing that. It's that it's it's security theatre. It was yeah. th there is not. I'm going to say that I would guarantee not one person was saved from coronavirus because a car was stopped. Well, yeah. well, there's some. Um, it's the thing that came out that not of one. all the arrests for people, you know, because they had the power to see to arrest people if they were infectious, yeah. Yeah. and like not single arrest was lawful. Yeah, like. And God knows how many of the fines are unlawful, but it's much it's much harder to like get a fine overturned. It's like yeah. a speeding fine and stuff like that. But like it was like um, when it all started and they shut off all the car parks for Epping Forest because everyone yeah. knows that there is nothing more you're not in a situation more likely to catch coronavirus than if you're walking in a forest. There was um, my version of that is there's a park just around the corner from me mm. and uh, it's got like a big bandstand in the middle with mm. benches around the outside. It's not very big. Uh, you walk around it in two minutes. S the council taped up mm. the benches and mm. taped up the bandstand mm. outside mm. because, of course, that's what you had to do. Mm. That's what pit that's what everyone was demanding. And that was scientifically evidenced. Mm. I do think like there is an element of. There always used to be a very strong civil libertarian strand in liberalism in particular, and it kind of bordered into radical movements and left-wing mm. movements, understandably. Um, and I do feel like some of that has been lost. I, I don't think people... It's probably a 9-11 thing. It is probably a, a war on terror, like a, yeah. a war on terror result that the fact that the argument about freedom versus security, like mm. as stupid as that sounds was sort of won by one side mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in a very complete way. And I feel like, yeah, there was a lot of... It was it was very difficult to work out where the line was because every time... If you weren't being like hard enough on like restricting absolutely everything, you were being told that you were killing people. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you were doing too little, you really were allowing like it to spread much, yeah. much further. Yeah. There was no there was no particularly kind of proper idea because everyone was just making hay out of it. Mm. Mm. You know? Like and I'm not I'm... saying people who were vulnerable to it were making hay out of it, but there was like a level of like you're outside two metres away from somebody else. You're not getting it from that. Mm. It was um one of the things that really struck me, like 
how easily it emboldened the racism of the state, really. And oh, like it, in fell, it fell on but very like, familiar patterns. Like, so where I walk the dog a lot, there's like a group of people that I see regularly in the morning mm. with their dogs. And they are of a certain age from a certain bit of Eastland. All 17. Um, no, there's no young people. I'm the youngest <laughs> by a long margin. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you pay attention to tattoos. It's what I'm going to say. Um, but like, I did that in Croatia. There was, there was like, it's a recurring thing that like on the weekends or the holidays, there's always more people there with the dogs. And you're like, oh God, weekend dog walkers, you know, they're, they're not walking their dogs in the middle of the week, those poor dogs. And then over lockdown, they were like, oh, I've never seen them around here before. What are they doing around here? To like strange dogs and strange people. It's like, yeah. well, that's, they shouldn't be coming this far. They shouldn't be coming this far because they're definitely not from around here. But they were also the people who were the worst for standing far apart from each other because they were all bundled in together because it was freezing cold. So everyone's standing around in a, like, in a huddle, nattering, while complaining about that person over there has a funny accent and I have never seen that dog before. Really? There's a lot of that. And like that was like writ large then. And like you can imagine what the Met did with the. <laughs> and it didn't surprise me at all, though, of course. What the, fu- like, what the fuck are Londoners doing about getting hyper localist? The That's, fuck? Yeah, but they're not really Londoners, are they? It's like, um, it's the thing because of the bit of London we live in. Well, you're saying they were, they were coming in from Essex. You're saying they were, they were migrants from outside. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying. Unfamiliar accents, unfamiliar faces. What I'm saying is Walthamstow. When I first moved here, there was an awful lot of far-right graffiti in the pubs yeah. that are now seen as like the classiest, nicest, fanciest place in the world. But there were two pubs in, in Walthamstow Village that had far-right graffiti in. Because <laughs> um, a lot of them were made up of... Like, there was a lot of old people who moved here from white flight from running away from Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, and like Walthamstow and Leightonstone and that bit of... Um, Chingford. Yeah, Chingford's the one. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fucking racists around here. A lot of old racists, but it's it's a it's a nice way to see like, oh, okay, so you're being racist, and guarantee the police are being super racist. <laughs> that was mainly what I what I got from Rona. Um, yeah, and the other thing is just watching. Um, it's nice now. It's like this is so my kid's starting her third year. Mm-hmm. This is the first time, like she had a one term. No, she had two semesters, I think in her first year, that were normal. And this is the closest to normal since then. Yes. So that's good. That makes me a lot happier. Yeah. But she has to test all the time. But that's yeah. fine. That's, a, that's, a, that's an acceptable thing. As long as we're not having to pay for them. It's the kind of thing that you would, you would put up with, like, testing, and even, like, masks are not that, mm. that huge a deal. No. But there was so much of, like, oh, no, uh, we all need to kind of collectively feel like we're suffering and we are in some way bound and restricted mm. so you breaking that makes it feel like you're not you're not like suffering with me mm. because you're in a park outside mm. realistically knowing yeah. what we know about the risks of transmission there should have been no bar on outside there should no. have been no bar on parks no it's um I wanted to hurry up and be completely done because I'm really sick of judging whether someone's wearing a mask on a train or not. I hate care. I hate giving a shit about what other people are doing. Yeah. yeah. I hate. I hate even feeling that. I don't yeah. really like. Um, I'm quite lucky because whenever I get the bus or the train, I'm with my dog, and people don't like. Actually, there's two kinds of people. There's either the people who will literally run up and just rub their grubby hands all over my beautiful dog, <laughs> or there's the people who are like more nervous of dogs. 
and say, well, clear of me. So I usually get lots of space on the bus, <laughs> basically, <laughs> so I don't really care. It's like you've got a very small, hairy, offensive child. Yeah. Oh, he's asleep. <laughs> yeah. I have actually, there's been no really good, like, art come out of this. I mean, I know it's like, it's very difficult for people to collaborate on stuff and... Like, I haven't got a sense that it's, like, people have really absorbed what's happened over the last, like, two years. Hmm. And, like, the one thing I do notice, which is the only true public art that uh, Britain really has, or, let's face it, deserves, <laughs> um, is, like, advertising is really dialing up the, the smiles and the happiness at a time when I've never seen people look more miserable. Hmm. Like, I, I, I'm back in the office for some days now, so I'm in central London. Um, and you know, you walk down the embankment, down past MI5. <laughs> no, <I'm not laughs> you go back into your office. I go back into MI5 from there, into my office. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you walk around, and like, it's Soho, so it's not exactly the same as most other parts of the country. But everything is. There's three like elements of like advertising at the moment. It's feel happy, you're happy, you're powerful, and um, this thing is fixed. We're gonna. F- this thing is broken. We're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, I have noticed that the dialing up of like we've complained about it on the pod before, like about how hard it is when it's raining to find somewhere to roll a cigarette. That there's mm-hmm. nowhere to sit. There's nowhere out of the rain unless yeah. you're paying. And all that coronavirus has done for that is dial it up to eleven. Because now there's quite often a lot of the pavements are taken up as well. Mm. All the bars and oh, um, I swear restaurants God, are I taken swear. up. All of the pavements. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't stand it. Like um, Walthamstow Village has done that. Like it's 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 hard to get through with the dog. When like I, you have to walk in the road yeah. because everywhere has like, and it's like yeah, sure, alfresco dining. Have your alfresco dining, but um, not when this I can't a, walk through. This, but what what did we? But say? Whereas, whereas in Soho, I had never seen Carnaby Street, not Carnaby Street, um, or Compton Street look better than when it was all like they got they fully pedestrianised yeah. it. But no, get rid of that now. Yeah. Because like that's the that's the thing that like this part of the crisis is revealing about now that the tide's kind of mm. receding a little bit, mm. you get to see what's left. And like we said very early on, like any kind of crisis, and especially this one, just reveals the high points of what are the like undebatable bits of like public discourse and life mm. and things like that. What what do the ruling class think is important? What mm. were they allowed to slide and the important bit is you are not allowed public space. You are not allowed outside. But if a business wants to encroach on public mm. space, they will have it. It is an echo of what was already happening mm. in all of our like built environment, that it was just creeping and creeping and there was no mechanism and no power to like draw that back. Mm. But there was a lot of power to expel you from a place that you already had a kind of like traditional, I guess, customary right to be, like a mm. public park. Either yeah. it is or the forest or the forest or you know wherever you definitely saw the places that were policeable and the places that they felt were not Mm -hmm. and that's like going to be a really important thing as we start to kind of take stock of everything that's happened Mm -hmm. so what else has been happening okay well we have the labor conference happened last week yeah i didn't watch any of it I didn't watch it any of it either. I saw yeah, I like the, the. I watched more Tory conference. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you want to know what you're voting for. Well, yeah, because I hope you fucking vote Labour, am I? <laughs> um, 
it happened last week, and it pretty much I don't know it. It went pretty much as I imagined. Um, mm-hmm. I think like the heckling and the presence of the left in the Labour Party is kind of like was specifically over exaggerated because that mm-hmm. seemed to be the point of it. That this yeah. this all I think I they wanted was, more heckles. Yeah, it, it seemed subdued because everyone seems everyone who's staying in the party seems like beaten down to it. Well, they're they're pay, like it's, they're pay pigs that have had two DLCs now that have been terrible. <laughs> and so, of course, their, their, their spirit is broken. I mean, the, the right were... They're way... like people, you're not going to find an excited Destiny player, are you? And that's what they are. Excuse me. You're not excited about we're Destiny. We're not getting into this now. <laughs> okay, if I have to talk about Destiny and the Labour Conference, I've <laughs> bullet my head. Um, yeah, it was a not very convincing kind of, like... Con- like It was set up as this contest between the remains of Corbynism mm-hmm. and the Labour right who were far more loudly berating them mm-hmm. and kind of trolling them all the way. And it's just very unseemly. And it's like, you know you won. Like, it's yeah. fine. You can have it. Yeah. And to those who are left in the Labour Party, like, yeah, you do what you, you, do what you want to do, but I think they've told you. Mm. They've told you what, you what they want out of you, and mm. they've told you what they expect, and they've told you what kind of party it's going to be. All so. I got from the outskirts of it is they hate me. Yeah. They don't want me anywhere near it. And if I don't vote for them, then I'm a Tory. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's come back in force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really in force. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the worst Tory government ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that. What's that thing you put me onto? That uh, the new Madalena Kay. Um, oh God, that, that horrible. That woman who does the she TikTok. does she does short short ish forty second to a minute TikTok videos. She does little her, baby voices, and she does. And she talks she about t- the Tories being naughty. She talks very quickly about the Tories and then like switched to, which I, I presume she switched to um, bashing. She really hates Owen Jones for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and she switched to bashing people who didn't want to vote like, uh, didn't want to vote Tory, uh, didn't want to vote um, Labour. Mm. Um, and it was like, but we have the worst Tory government ever. There's food shortages. Like, yeah. There's, there's, was it the same as the worst Tory government last time, mm-hmm. or the worst Tory government before? Is it always a? Cri- it's always going to be a crisis now, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's always a crisis that's desperately important. Yeah, I've had enough of being bullied. Yeah, <laughs> to, like I, I was, I had to vote for fucking Stella Greasy for the last two elections. Oh not yeah, not be voting no. a third one. Uh, that was a that was a kind of like subplot that was happening because she flares up every now and again on Twitter where she name searches or or seems to desperately want to start Twitter beefs so she mm-hmm. can claim she's being targeted. Um that was that was very odd. And and you know, they're all they're all in fine voice. They're feeling very, very smug and satisfied mm. about their position, which appears to be really bad. Like a mm-hmm. brief rundown of what happened at the conference was like there was some heckling. He made a very boring speech. There was some uh there were there appeared to be transphobes going in and out of meetings both fringe and main <laughs> yeah. to just shout at people for no reason <laughs> um there was a bunch of at one point a bunch of unconfirmed leadership challenges i don't again i don't know why because mm. like why would you replace him at this point he's your stalking horse he has mm. to get out all the thing that was the the major thing that came out of the out of it by the end was everyone was not talking about blair mm. everyone was talking about kinnock <laughs> oh, Kinnock, do you remember that speech he gave? A Labour council, a Labour council. Mm. Do you remember that speech? It was so good. And I don't. That's what he needs to. That's what he needs to deliver. And it's like, why is it so important for him to be a loser? 
Mm-hmm. Because you're not talking about him like Blair. Mm-hmm. You were, but mm-hmm. you're not anymore. Because um, you know who our Blair is. And it's... It's West Street. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, that is the obvious... That is the obvious... The, 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 the Blair That's is currently, currently Schrodinger's Blair. We're not quite sure who it is. Because we had to. As soon as we open the box, we'll find out. Because there was there was the reveal that there's people that some of the some of the Labour MPs, some of the more famous ones, have been amassing money. Yeah. Ready for something. Yeah. Um, which you know, just saying, Stella Creasy has. A, does she have a pay, GoFundMe or a Patreon? Um, but like, so many of them are doing this figure. And it's like it was. I remember when um we because it was around the time of the last election that she put out her GoFundMe. Um, Stella and they are just amassing money and like her one's particularly funny because you can look at how many anonymous £500 don't how many how often do you give £500 anonymously to a politician oh all the time just all the time just all the time Jean-Marie Le Pen <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so there was a lot oh, of it's not, her, it's not him anymore <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's his it's daughter, daughter yeah. um, Marie Le Pen but yeah, there's there's a lot of there was a lot of that which was quite funny because then you got to have like, who is it? it was, yeah, because when Streeting had his article in the Telegraph or the Sun, he writes for the Sun. Yeah, but he had like a proper fluff piece writes. where he was like him standing talking about how he grew up near poverty, <laughs> yeah. and he was standing near a graffiti wall. Well, no, he did. He did grow up in in poverty uh, several decades ago, and since then has done did he nothing. Grow up in poverty, he did, yeah. Genuinely, but uh, I, I can't remember the exact details on, off the top of my head. But he's one of the, he's one of those. Yeah. yeah, he did grow up in a council house. Like I mean, fucking Michael Gove. Hmm. Michael Gove did grow up in yeah. a council house, but like they've been well paid for decades. <laughs> Your class changes when you get a no. load of money. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I am literally a coal miner. <laughs> I am. Don't don't question the flat that I live in. <laughs> For a while, all the kind of guff was about uh, like boosting whoever it was in that. Mm. I mean, it's not even that day anymore. Mm. It's because of Twitter. It's that half hour, yeah. that forty minutes. You decide who's what piece of political gossip is the most important thing you've mm. ever learned. It's very tiring. But coming out of it, it was yeah. Like, why does Starmer have to be Kinnock at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's I know why it is. It's because all of their brains have rotted. <laughs> like they have no sense of like. They have no concept of history. They have no memory longer than anything else. So mm. they have to draw these illusions. And like, there's definitely this thing that's come in when journalists and, and politicos are talking about the Labour Party that they can't talk about it in any other terms than the battle from 1979 until 1997. Mm-hmm. In a way that they don't actually talk about the Conservative Party in the same no. way because they they don't particularly see a return to Thatcherism as something that's replicable or uh, it, not for the same reason that mm. apparently the history of the Labour Party between those periods was is like replicable and like it's desirable. Mm. So like for 35 years, everyone in like on the Labour right, but also like basically mainstream commentators have had the same story about the Labour Party. Socialism doesn't work. That's the like the mm. a priori thing. Socialism doesn't work. And so when it fails inside the British parliamentary system, <laughs> that's that's obvious. Like that's proof. Yeah. For some reason. Um so if Labour goes left, it loses, obviously, like des- like historically, destiny. Its destiny is to lose. Um the left remain in the party 
they attack a leader, a leader has to attack back, cleanse them from mm. the party. Um, smart and clever Kinnock like, loses, but he eliminates the Labour left as a force within the party. Then Blair comes in and he says a load of very clever, very slippery things, and that's laudable to these people. Mm-hmm. And he makes his grand compromise with the upper middle class. And he, most importantly, he like, oh, talks to the sun. Mm-hmm. Because that's a symbol, that's like the standard for what he is supposed to have done. Mm-hmm. This time around, they're not even looking at it in instrumental terms. They're not judging it as like, ah, oh, well, Starmer needs to uh, uh, reconcile himself to business mm-hmm. or whatever. They've been doing that. But it appears like he just wants to do exactly the same thing. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he has to talk to the sun. It's not The sun is not a symbol of something else. No. It's just talking to the sun and then that's it. You know, um, New Labour didn't come in because it didn't, just because it felt like it, just because it felt that these things were th- it had to do. It did like somewhat have an analysis for the time. Hmm. It saw that there were other like class formations that had been dragged up by Thatcherism, and it s- responded to them mostly hmm. because it was from them. <laughs> but you know, your interests yeah. are your class, so there we go. Um, but this time it's like, oh yeah, just do exactly what I remember Blair did. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have you actually have to like do some of the other, and also you have to remember what Blair actually did. Mm-hmm. Like he went on the attack on the Tories hard, and also like Blair wasn't just, and and even Kinnock wasn't just like anti everything the left did. Mm. On the surface, they appeared to try and come across this synthesis. Yeah. Between. Or this like reinvention of it. It was bollocks. Yeah. But like they had to appear like they were trying to do this synthesis. Not just I got my feelings hurt mm-hmm. from 2015 to 2019, and it lost inside the Brit and that tendency lost inside the British parliamentary system. Mm. So therefore, all that anyone wants to see, millions of voters who don't give a shit about the Labour Party, all they want to see is talking about how shit we are. Is that really your analysis? Is that really what you're going with? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. It is... It must be weird to be Starmer. Like, mm. it must be very clear to him now that he... The whole point of him is to... Is a cleansing. Yeah. And to absorb all the poison from it. Mm. And then disappear. Mm. Um, which... He deserves all the suffering in the world, but... Oh, yeah, he's terrible. It must be really weird to be... Like, just to get up every day. Like, he knows full well that he is never winning an election. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if I could be asked. Like... He doesn't, like I, don't, I don't think any of them... Like, because I don't think it's just Starmer. Like, the, the conference really revealed that... Was it that Annalise Dodds thing about... Um, what was she getting asked about that trans issue was it the cervix thing that she she went on tv and went um no that was rachel reeves oh rachel reeves sorry sorry yeah it was rachel reeves um and like spluttering doing that like indignant splutter as if the question wasn't even worth answering but Mm. doing it so badly oh yeah that was an old-fashioned like new labor thing Mm. that they would act like they are above the question Mm. and that everyone else is just trying to drag them down and it was relatively successful but it eventually breeds in a certain kind of cynicism Mm. but they can't even do that well like think about like Starmer's main like how his rhetoric combines with 
any political movements, any policy announcements or anything like that. Hmm. So what will happen is like Keir Starmer will make a speech or will like write a short thing about oh we want to be the party of opportunity and aspiration. Yeah, something. Or, but it doesn't really because he yeah. does the same thing. But what, what he puts out there is like two or three buzzwords. Hmm. Now you put those buzzwords out there because they can literally mean anything to anybody, mm-hmm. right? When they're put out there, they have a load of different interpretations that obviously the press will refract, but there's nothing you can do about that. You have to, on their side, hope that enough people look at that and see themselves reflected in it to have a load of different interpretations. That's the way you get everybody, according to this, like... uh, uh, Model. According to this model. Um, Because now, after you make that speech, what you're supposed to do is leave it there, mm. right? You can even get more specific. You can say something like, I think the state of rental housing mm. in this country is uh, terrible. It shouldn't be like that. Mm. It shouldn't be like that. Like, you've made no promises. You've made mm. no particular attacks on anybody other than the conditions. The envi- mm. you, you kicked a tree. Yeah. You kicked a bush. <laughs> you cut some grass. Yeah. You didn't do anything about anybody. And you leave that there, and it's open to a load of interpretations. That is why Blair was so successful, Mm. because he didn't lie, he just didn't say anything. (laughs) He left it open so that enough people could believe in them and were sick enough of the Tories Mm. that he could convince them that he was their guy. What do they do every single fucking time? He'll make his opportunities and aspirations speech, he'll make his house or renting speech, and then some fucking idiot will come out and say, well, actually, of course, this doesn't mean we're going to be punishing landlords. Immediately collapsing all of the interpretations that are on the table into one thing of no. Hmm. What what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? That's not what he did. I'm not even like, it's horrible because I'm like, not even advocating this kind of politics. It's terrible and cynical and awful. And it's also not impactful because we've had it for too long. Yeah. Um, it has its like utility yeah. within this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, also, like, do you think the Tories do this? The Tories don't do that. It's infuriating. They don't make principle... them be so bad at it. Yeah. After all of their screaming and cawing, is that a word? Yeah, I'm gonna go for that. All yeah, their cawing, sure. they're hooting and hollering about how they were so much better, and then they just are just so bad. So and so often as well, the thing that shuts down all of those interpretations that shut that opens the box and the cat's alive or dead. Hmm. The thing that like collapses all those interpretations is usually the exact opposite of what he was saying. So it's like, ah, oh, yes, landlords are integral to our economy. Mm-hmm. There we go. You yeah. just literally opposed exactly what he just said, mm-hmm. while also not promising anything. Mm-hmm. It's baffling. Yeah. Which is why I think like you have to think beyond Starmer and think about. The whole of that tendency, whatever mm. tendency it is he mm-hmm. belongs to now, I don't even fucking know what the right is. It's just built on spite against the left and they think everything else comes after that. Mm. And it's kind of shocking to think that they actually believe that, that mm. they actually are fully into it. Like, that's not a strategy or it's not even a political tendency. That's a cargo cult. Yeah. You think that just talking to the sun. Mm-hmm. Underneath that sun, article, so Keir Starmer did uh, write like an op-ed mm-hmm. for, um, for the sun. And it was about like um, 
Uh, it, was, it was saying the Tories are incompetent. It's just managerial stuff. Yeah. Oh, they, they, oh, you've really bungled this one, Boris. I want people to have a good Christmas. And it's like, you're not in a position to change any of that. That's too specious to actually do it. And if they do have a good Christmas, even if they have a bad Christmas, they'll fucking forget it. Because yeah. Christmas is once a year. Mm-hmm. They don't have the memory for that. They won't be reminded of it by anything in the press until the press decides mm-hmm. to remind them of it. So what are you doing? Even below that, in which I don't think he mentioned any policy. I think he might have mentioned like heating, like housing heating policy for winter. And beneath his picture at the bottom of the website, it says, Sir Keir Starmer vows to save Brits £400 a year on energy bills with £6 billion home insulation. Splurge. Splurge. You did all that. You debased yourself. You took a shit in a water fountain in front of everybody and then drank it. To get splurge. <laughs> to get your spending plans referred to as a splurge. Yeah. Can you not see what's going on? Oh, man. The, um... I did feel kind of... What did I say? Positive. One of the things... Like, your theory we've been talking about, like, you know, the Tories are going to get utterly debased and um, mm. um, be so drunk on victory that... You know, that's when they'll get really debased and debauched and then eventually they'll fuck up and disappear. Mm. Well, not fuck up and disappear, but, you know, mm. that, then the, the press might start to turn on them. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't really believe that until yeah, I watched a bunch that, of yeah. footage of um, Tory conference and saw how quite... Like, I watched... Um, Owen Jones did a thing going around the conference talking to people. And I'm sure, like, he picked some of the worst ones, um, including a guy in a MAGA hat and an Iron Maiden shirt complaining about neoliberals. I want to have more of a conversation with that man about what he thinks. Um, actually, probably deeply racist. I was aroused and confused. <laughs> I was aroused and confused that I made him kick and then I ended up here. Um, but they seemed so... Like like the average Tory, when they start talking about stuff, they do seem stupid. Um, but they were like so bad. And they were just parroting the same stuff yeah. that... It's like so they were still talking about like well not the the corona he was bringing up coronavirus deaths and they were like people still say well you know a lot of these people were overweight yeah and, and it's like they've gotten so lazy well, with they were it. over 80 and they died of pneumonia and it got marked as covid yeah. yeah yeah and it's stuff like that and it's like um and they were doing you know because we had the 20 pound up rate in um universal credit it's gone yeah. now and none of them could say how you know how that that all of them none of them could say like Anything other than, well, it would lock them into a cycle of dependence. They need to find yeah. the dignity of work. And it's like, I could see it being more likely, but then I don't think the press are ever going to... I guess that's actually kind of the same as the Labour front bench. Like, all Boris talks about is levelling up and mm. stuff like that. Whatever empty shell is, is left of that after Brexit. Build back beavers. But yeah, you know. I, and then it immediately gets kind of... Opposed by like Rishi Sunak and hmm. Priti Patel and you know whoever, and they row back. With the with the debasement of the Tories, like it, it's weird. It happens. It's going to happen worse this time because in 1990, I think there was still a hardcore of Tories who saw the state as theirs. Hmm. We're talking about the old patrician class, hmm. even though if they weren't necessarily of it, they may have come in from a different angle after hmm. Thatcherism, as you know working class boys done good or mm. you know anything like that 
although they might have come in like that, they were attached to the institutions of the state in at least a kind of uh, nostalgic way. Mm -hmm. And I think that the institutions that they look at, I'm talking like the army and, you know, the, mm. the, those kind of things are viewed with suspicion that perhaps has come from a populist like thing. They've got populist instincts. Mm. They may not believe in it entirely, but the idea that the Met is woke or something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a potential that they could turn on that institution or something. The person like that. in the NHS that they put in there, like a, the. Um, it's Iraq or Afghanistan military leader who was going to deal with the wokery of the NHS. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that... But like, um, yeah, yeah carry on. Sorry, I was just going to finish off with saying, like, the point is that it becomes debased when they start putting their own... If any residual attachment to the state hmm. and the state's interests as they see it hmm. is put aside in favour of their own interests, hmm. not even party interest, of just their own interests, hmm. and you see them all break off into different like tendencies and groups and things like that of, mm. of mutual mutual benefit to themselves yeah. and they stop defending the institutions that put them there mm. and that's what it what that's what it really means they don't yeah. they get less selfless yeah like and i know like tory conference is always a time when um they get all giddy so they get too. they get all like happy and i think there's definitely Maybe we'll do an episode on it at some point mm. because there's definitely a, it's not even joie de vivre, but like an emotional, effective flow within conserv British conservatism mm. that's very funny. Do you ever, I mean, we went to school with people who were like trolling Tories, I think mm. before Tories were trolling, mm. and the joy that they got out of certain elements of that mm -hmm. was definitely a motivating factor in them being Tories. Mm -hmm. And so, like, being joyful at conference and combining that with a sort of, like, corrupt selfishness mm. as regards their whatever public duty they might feel is going to be worse this time because all the institutions are hollowed and everyone's just in, in the system for what they can get out of it. Mm. I could see the... The, the, the things they end up doing being worse than ever before because of, like... Okay, so Michael Gove. The way the media haven't talked about stuff with Michael Gove, yeah. and the way that well, how they, happy he is. the way they talked about him at um, going to that club, yes. and how that was a warning shot, by the way. Yeah, a very clear yeah. warning shot. I but don't know thing, who from Boris. Yeah, but the or... thing, the thing is, that was really fucking funny. Is because it doesn't fucking work. Because literally, nearly all the liberal commentators are like, actually, I think it makes him quite endearing. Yeah, you see, and it's like, what the fuck, you. Fucking animals. Why aren't you going for him? Um, so, like, that invulnerability, that's what the, one of the main things I was getting from the Tory conference, is they feel invulnerable. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, sure. Um, whereas, like, the Labour right, they act, you know, they're all happy in their victory, but they they know it's hollow and they feel they still feel precarious, which is why they're so... Like, there's still people talking about, like, oh, and they're still trying to get me out of my seat and things like that. Mm. Um, whereas the Tories don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Um, so I do think that if they do get worse, it will be the only time the press will actually start going for them is if it's really, really bad. I mean, I'm trying to think of the times because it's the it's the what did I say it described as like reverse Midas. Mm -hmm. You know, Blair. I remember the early years of like the Blair government, and that mm. didn't get that didn't go reverse Midas until literally 2001 and the fuel protests. Mm -hmm. 
Gordon Brown was going to win mm. the next election had he called it in like was it 2008 yeah. rather than 2010 obviously financial crisis yeah. in the middle of it so yeah obviously a slightly different scenario but there's always always a point where it reverse Midas is and I think I just can't I could the reason why you might doubt that this time is because there has never been anything like as much kind of alignment with the state as it not the state apparatus but the state as it exists as it is controlled and the ruling class of that state there has never been such alignment between any contact you might come into into with that state so like the press is on the side of the state that is that is the de facto truth is that you have to give Tories a chance and well he's the prime minister and Mm -hmm. well you have to respect the process and all of this shit Mm -hmm. you know and I mean that's why that's mainly why Starmer gave the interview to the op-ed to the Sun. It's mm. like it's not to convince Sun readers of anything because he also didn't engage in that. Mm. It's to signal to everybody else in the ruling class that he can be let back in, mm. that Labour can be let back in, and you never feed a starving dog. So I don't see why they would. Like if he wants to make Blair's grand compromise, like why would they come to him? They've got everything. He doesn't yeah. need to. They don't need to compromise okay, with him. Now he's the got Tories no, have, he's got nothing over them. Now the Tories have cottoned on to the secret way of always winning elections, which is if you change leader and say it's different, all the press will tune in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like it's it's weird. It's it's he's Starmer is now all Kinnock apparently, mm. and that's a success despite the fact that Kinnock was a massive failure. Mm -hmm. And it's because they've gotten so inured in this creation myth Mm -hmm. and they can't see past it to see anything different, any other like interpretation of that. It's just going to be all Kinnock. And it doesn't actually matter who, like whether Starmer even lasts to the next election. The next person, if the Labour Party has not rid itself of whatever these people imagine is the problem holding it back, the next person will be Kinnock as well, mm. and the next person, and the next person, until we get, I don't know, I mean, let's face it, 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 there's a significant portion of them who just want to give Jess Phillips a try. <laughs> I, I mean okay. that in, yeah, all, in all seriousness, like, I know she wants it, clearly, but whatever whatever isn't working for her just isn't working, but there's still enough people invested in her. Mm. Financially. To keep, to find out, it must be. I, I, mm. It must be. Uh, there's enough people invested in her to give her a try. And you know what? Yeah, go on then. I, I genuinely want to see it now. I, I've turned all around on the subject. I don't like... I, I think Jess Phillips is uh, largely despicable mm-hmm. um, and well suspicious mm-hmm. given her media profile. I don't mm-hmm. know who she knows or mm-hmm. what she's seen someone do. But I want to see it happen because I have... I mean, it doesn't really matter because if one thing, if the one thing about this like constant eternal cycle that they're in is that they have no historical memory, they don't, mm. they don't care that it means that they can appear to be like serious while not actually looking at anything beyond their fucking nose. But I want to see them stripped of any excuse just once, maybe. <laughs> That's all I really want out mm. of Labour. That's actually all I want to see. Out of, I want those people. Mm-hmm. To be stripped of any excuse. Oh, Keir Starmer's voice. No, it's not Keir Starmer's voice. Mm. Oh, it's because he's a man. It's not because he's a man. Oh, it's because he's over 50, over 40 or whatever. It's not because he's over 40. It's because of COVID. No one could see him in person. 
He doesn't sound like that when you hear him in person. In person, he's a fine orator. He's a fine tenor. <laughs> but it's you know like the camera, the cameras and the mics. He's not. He's never. He hasn't been mic'd up right in nearly two years. You know, apparently Stalin. Um, you know, Stalin was Georgian, right? yeah, not Russian, and he didn't speak Russian as well as a natural-born speaker. And apparently, he had the same voice that equivalent, equivalently, Georgian sounds like. Um, George, like he sounded like George Formby. I'd love that. In when he spoke Russian, yeah. you know, when I'm cleaning windows. <laughs> Just, um, so apparently he sounded like that and that Georgia's, just reminded me of Georgia like, to Russia is George because that's what Starmer sounds like he sounds like a like he's got a squeak hmm. and it's I just but it's that's not the problem that no. isn't that is not the problem it's I just need to see them stripped of any excuse I need them to put up the most authenticrat northern working class woman and I need to see them fail. I just like seeing women fail. I do. Yeah. So finally this week we had uh, the sentencing and imprisonment of uh, Wayne Cousins, who mm-hmm. was the man convicted of murdering Sarah Everard. Um, he was a British police officer who we talked about before. He kidnapped, raped and murdered uh, Sarah Everard. Um, we got some more kind of... Uh, information about that from the court case. That was horrible. Not, Not going to go over it. Not going to go over it, obviously. Um, but I think the important thing for that we wanted to discuss is the fact that it appears that he showed his badge mm-hmm. and falsely arrested her in order to get her into his car. Yeah. Um, and using the fuzziness of coronavirus restrictions. Claiming, yeah, that she was breaking COVID regulations. Um while she was walking back from her friend's house. Hmm. So, naturally, the Met leapt into damage control mode and said, we're going to put some more cops in the street. <laughs> it's yep. just um, I saw, staggering. I saw the standard thing that staggering. always happens. I saw, I saw more police in Wolfenstein Village. I saw more police in Central. Lots of um, uh, twin uh, lady co- uh, female cops. Oh, I didn't see that. They didn't have, I didn't see that. A lot of that in Central. Mm. A lot of that. But it's, um, and you know, Cressida Dick can't be gotten rid of. She will never stand down. Um, you know, don't know what... It's don't know why, this don't know why the, Cressida This Dick, would be the time, because they're starting think, to turn on her in a big way. Yeah, they really are. But, you know, I have no idea why, why you know, she can survive and just get promoted. Um, since, you know, she was, in, she was in charge of the thing that killed Charles de Menezes. Mm-hmm. Um, was probably integral, I would guess, in the fact that most people now still don't know exactly what happened there. You know, if you talk to someone about it, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, it was it was an unfair killing, but he did run, and it's like he didn't run. No. He had a backpack, he didn't have a backpack. He jumped turnstile, he didn't jump turnstile. Something. Um, but some, like, well, yeah. I don't know what what possible reason that you know they could have some. You know, she did go to the same school as. Um, did you know she was in the same year as Gilly Maxwell? Really? Apparently, I think I'm sure huh. I read that. But um, I know she went to Balliol with um, the, the same one that Boris and Peston went to. <laughs> Um, you know, I just, I'm not saying that, you know, people of the same class like to protect each other, but they do. One hundred percent they that do. That is the one that they go to the they will go to the ground for. Hmm. They they will like defend that to the last person. Like, but, yeah, like the commit met commissioner. Yeah, the thing is it's like what they do is they do the thing of, you know, they once like like with stomach, once they've sucked up enough poison then they'll drop them and replace them. Hmm. And I thought that this would be enough. So God knows I mean, what, presume, the, what the thing will be actually. Like, is she on was she Commissioner with Mark Dugan? Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was a shocking bit, actually, as as a slight aside. Hmm. A shocking bit of uh, stuff with Mark Dugan, where... uh, Mark Duggan. um, Where the majority... Again, it's one of those, like, created reality, don't have any memory of it, and it's, like, the majority of the commentariat think that uh, Mark Dugan was armed. The, major- the vast, vast majority... Oh, and they think that uh, the coroner found that it was lawful killing. They didn't find it was a lawful oh. killing. They found Nothing happened, no. but they found it was an un- it was not a yeah. proper killing. Like, it wasn't a proper... Yeah. wasn't properly carried out. And yeah. it's like, you you just... It's exactly the same logic as lead people to think that um, the UK government beat the IRA. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's that exact it, same thing. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, but, like, um, it's one of the things with Wayne Cousins being sentenced now and you're given a whole life sentence which they don't give many of them out but um, I haven't seen any, like even with they said like oh we're going to have a serious look at stuff I would think that the first thing to do would be to look at every single person he's ever arrested mm. like how many women has he falsely arrested one of the things early on was because he wasn't he in like he was in debt to like or what he said was he was in debt to Eastern European oh yeah like he had a lot of uh, stuff to say prostitution people yeah and because he didn't come up with the money he had to find girls for them yeah I've no idea if that's just it's no, well, just, 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 yeah probably all bollocks but um. I would look into every person he's ever arrested. And like there was this, the thing that came out was the WhatsApp group that he was a member of. Yeah, was like really disgusting. And there was another person. Can't really. There's oh, not no. much information. There was another person who's from from the same. They were also a diplomatic, like a protection yeah, another diplomatic, diplomatic officer who's just been charged with rape. Yeah. Another one. And wonder how long they were sitting on that to make it seem like they were doing something. Yeah. Was um. What's the. F- I saw... Oh, God, I can't... This is going to annoy me now because I can't find it. Um, I think it's once a week that a woman goes to the police to complain that her police officer partner is abusing her or her kids. Wow. I'm sure it was something like that. It's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Um, because I can't believe that these people who are asked to basically just be hired heavies hmm. have a toxic masculinity. It's shocking to me. Yes. I cannot believe that despite all of the good work that the Met has done t- towards diversity and inclusivity, <laughs> that there still persists a macho culture among men who are specifically engaged in violence and other physical activities. This is shocking to... Come on, man. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, you know that yeah. this is what you think, yeah. what is happening. And this is, like, when you talk about the Met culture, this is what you're talking about. Mm. The fact that the things that they are asked to do... There was a really interesting um, talk I heard the other day about, kind of, the way that um, American Special Forces has, like, changed over time. Mm. Like, again, it's the same thing as the Tories, actually. Your dedication to the state and the aims of the state and your patriotism Mm. or something gets subdued, subsided, subsides and goes into a kind of, like, a kind of targeted selfishness so suddenly mm. you're out for yourself you're out for your your purpose has changed from the maintenance of a particular mission to you being the person they go to to prove that you'll that this particular state will go further than anyone else mm. you know what i mean it's like and that's what the police that's what the culture of the police has turned into that well, that you will be the one who takes the ears it you wasn't will get the necklace of ears it wasn't that long ago that we had Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes and 
the like all the liberal TV people adoring Gene Hunt, who one hundred percent now would be on a WhatsApp group sharing rape jokes. Yeah. And they're all like, and he became the romantic lead in Ashes to Ashes. Like, we haven't done an episode on that, but I wanted to. Uh, we should do it at one the, at some um, point. The, diff, the, yeah. the, way, the way they turned the guy who's supposed to be the disgusting, vile, racist, police brutality monster into the romantic, sexy lead in the, second, in the spin-off series. But, um, Dicker. Yeah, um, one of the other things they put out was um, immediately afterwards was guidance hmm. for women to uh, to say that if you get stopped by a plain co- clothes police officer, you don't have to surrender to them, mm-hmm. you don't have to answer their questions, and you can request a uniformed police officer. Mm-hmm. What, what the fuck world are you living in? Um, they had you could ask to see you could ask them to prove that they're a police officer, which Wayne Cousins was a police officer. Yep, and he proved it. Yep. Um, the one I did see that really made me laugh is we finally found the answer of who watches the Watchman. It is the bus driver. The bus driver is super, is senior to yeah. the police officer in regards to crime. It's apparently, yep. that you can flag down a bus anywhere because all the country is very well provided with twenty four hour buses. That imagine like if that was true. Say you know all bus drivers carry their taser, which is just for using on rapey cops. Yeah. How I mean, many tried bus- flagging down a bus? Yeah, but in London, many, where there's uh, lots. How many? Yeah, but would you have to have more, even more buses? Because like I've been around, like, like I've gotten night buses before and had to wait around. You'd have to have a bus like every like two or three minutes. Because you know that the, um, the thing of like how often um, um, police on patrol stop a crime. Mm. There's like virtually never. Once every seventy oh. years, and that's not. <laughs> uh, we mentioned this in a much earlier episode, but that's not like some random uh, anti-police organization. Yeah. That was literally the the police the. Chief Constable's organisation. <laughs> but, but with buses, with double-decker buses, how many you'd have to flood the streets with? We're talking like there being 24-7 traffic because of just the police, to just the buses, to monitor the police. And then we'd need more police to monitor the buses. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had that, which was funny. We had the, you can just run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could just run. Running from the police is, is it goes fine. Really well. It always goes, goes really well. Well, like, you know, we've got... Okay, Charles Menezes and... <laughs> yeah, um, literally this police commissioner has form for people <laughs> running from them. Yeah, but he didn't even run. Yeah. He was just walking the other direction. Yeah. Um, um, Ian Tomlinson, he was the guy. Yeah. Ian Tomlinson was, walk, he was standing. Um, walking or running away from... No, he was standing. Was he? Oh, and he was hit on the back of the head, wasn't he? Was he? Hit the back of the head, wasn't yeah, he? he was standing and walking slowly. So you... So standing walking slowly doesn't work. Walking away doesn't work. They're saying that you can run. Like, it's all I can think is the um, the oh, the song in um, Warriors. Um, no way to run to baby. Yeah, just Martha like the Vandellas. Yeah, but like, this is the defense they come out with. Like yeah. it's okay, women, you're fine. But this this fucking sucks. And this is like there's some obviously the the kind of supporters of the police go into overdrive whenever mm. something like this happens. They're like oh. Are you saying the Met caused this? It's like, no, we're not saying the Met caused this. I am. You are. Mm-hmm. I'm not, mm-hmm. right? I don't think they ordered him to go it. out and find a, a, a woman to murder, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Okay, I will concede that, no, that he was not ordered. The important point is here, as you've just mentioned yeah. about what to do when you come across a cop or when mm. a cop speaks to you or stops you, 
The Met and other police organisations throughout the country have deliberately fostered a culture of like vagueness and looseness mm -hmm. around what they are actually allowed to do mm -hmm. when they're stopping someone. And this was like exacerbated by Rona because of the vagueness of those rules, mm -hmm. but it was there beforehand as yeah. well. Um, it's not clear, like no one knows what their fucking rights are. Mm. You have to like, they've done this to like prove they're making a difference to something that it wouldn't change anything. Mm. Because he, she was seen by cops. Mm. She was talking to a cop. And there was no guidance that she could have taken that would have avoided this. Mm. But also it's like, a copper talks to me and wants to search me or do, some, do, do anything to me that I don't want them to do and I've done nothing wrong. Mm. And I run away. I yeah. am now resisting arrest. I, d I don't like. Okay, you can ask. You can ask stuff. Is that the same for people? Do you remember those people in? Um, is it Soho Square? Um, who were they? Were doing something on the royal wedding, and they were, they were, I saw the video of them of two or three plain coats cops doing something. They, they were, were building. Okay, they were, they were building a gallows they were, they were out building of MDF. A gallows, and they had uh, paper mache uh, models of the royals. Yes. Admittedly. But it was plainclothes was, coppers. But yeah. like, but then again, that's exactly what I mean. What are the what mm. is the legality around that? Yeah. Because if it is a crime to erect a structure on that, is three plainclothes coppers coming out and dragging you into a side street? Is that the punishment? Is that the procedure? Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No one does. Like, if you come, if if a plainclothes officer it's or any they were officer in that in that case, right? If they, yeah, it was yeah, there were more than three of them. Um, they counted the papier-mâché things. That's when the case <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> papier-mâché Prince William dropped a spliff. <laughs> Little baggy. Oh, it, just, it turned out to just be like other plasticine bits. <laughs> no, it was the, uh, it was the um, uh, Warhammer fake grass. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's made of papier-mâché anyway. I yes. uh, love explaining jokes. love jokes. <laughs> just love jokes. Um, yeah, like... In your interactions with the police, like what exactly are you allowed to do? Like, are mm. you allowed to ask them a thing? And is what in what situation, if a cop really wants to fuck with you, are they going to ac like accede to that request? Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to do it? Because I don't know. Every interaction I've ever had and every interaction I've ever seen, they don't seem to. Mm -hmm. It seems to be a there's a void period where you can see in their faces that the cops are trying to see exactly how far they can go. Hmm. I'm not saying they want to like beat up everybody. That's not how it works. That's not what it's about. But they want to police that situation hmm. and make it as easy for themselves to accomplish their goal, whatever that is, because I'm not sure that they know hmm. even what they're doing anymore. Hmm. If they want to search someone and they don't have the right, they'll stick around and they'll hang around and they'll keep you talking until you do something wrong, yeah. until you run or you mouth off and then suddenly it's resisting arrest, yeah. even though you weren't in a position to be arrested anyway. Hmm. They deliberately, um, like I, I know roughly like what to do with cops if they're being aggressive, but I'm white, so it doesn't happen that often. Hmm. So and like, you can ask whether I'm under arrest. Am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? You don't have to answer your, answer their questions. You don't have to give them their name, and unless you're under arrest, you can walk away at any time. I think hmm. I'm pretty sure. Where would that be in any anybody's like civic? All this fucking um, focus on like, oh, people need to learn about the country and need mm. to have civics lessons and like patriotism lessons. Where is the lessons about that? Mm -hmm. You don't get taught that. Like people in their interactions with the police at best 
stick around because of a mixture of politeness and fear. Mm-hmm. Because you don't like being up against a cop. Even if you support cops, you don't like being around in their presence when they're all made up with their stab vests mm-hmm. and all of their equipment on the side. You don't like being around them. No. They strike an intimidating figure because that is the point. Mm-hmm. They are heavily armoured up for that reason. If you're white, politeness and fear can work for you. Yeah, you can probably make it through all right. If you're a black teenager from Harrogate, no, you're fucked. You're going to ask... You're going to ask them to ask people for their, like, ask police for their badges. Hmm. No, you're not, are you? And, like, at heart, this has been the problem is that they're all, the police have been all means and no end. They're not sure what they're actually there to do, right? There's Hmm. no accomplished goal. Hmm. They're not protecting anybody. You don't call the police when for anything other than where in a personal situation you think that their violence might get you what you want Hmm. you know aside from like some kind of like community outreach shit and all that it's pr Hmm. it's to prove that they are something they are more social worker than violence and that is actually all they are that's why people phone them up like people have so few recourses to any kind of overwhelming force you don't have you don't feel linked up into a community. You don't feel like you have any particular rights, like in a particular situation. So what do you do? You call the police. That's why people call the police on like sh- shit like, oh, the KFC ran out of chicken. Mm-hmm. Or somebody didn't take my order. Or somebody was rude to me. Mm-hmm. Up to and including like domestic stuff, which obviously would be better handled by a social worker, but you call a cop because you think their overwhelming violence will allow you to win because mm-hmm. they must have done something. Mm-hmm. In any situation where you have a problem with somebody else and you don't have any kind of you don't feel like justice has been done and you don't feel that you have a recourse, call violence because that will happen. And like, they never encourage even like a basic understanding of your relationship with the police and what you are allowed to do Hmm. when you are in their presence. And on the other side, are always lobbying for more of these shadow powers, for more of these like, well, you can stop them if they are under suspicion or you can retaliate if you feel you are under threat. And it's these like, loose rules around them that is partly to blame for Sarah Everard's death. Yeah. yeah. She would not... I mean, look, I know in the reality the reality of the situation is that he went out of his way to abuse his particular powers in that instance and there's probably very little that leaning on procedure would do. But even in that situation, a basic suspicion of the police... Hmm. is a healthy thing to have. Yeah. And that is kind of what they have always discouraged. Mm-hmm. Unless you are in a targeted population. Hmm. They specifically do it because it makes their jobs easier, whatever their jobs happen to be at that moment. Getting the stop and search statistics up, trying to find one small bag of weed, mm-hmm. trying to move on a group of kids from a corner they shouldn't be at. Like, if you had... If people had another recourse, if people had another thing to go to, if they felt more confidence, they wouldn't need to lean on the police so much as the only institution that is ever to be used mm. in any of these situations. You, If you spread the kind of... That feeling of... That f- feeling of security, if you could count on it in other things, perhaps there wouldn't be this desperate need to defend the police as like, oh, they're the last line. They're, mm. they're defending us every day from... Mm unnameable chaos and horror and it's like what Mm. they did the unnameable chaos and horror Mm. they did that 
because that is what you encourage. The very violence that you think they're preventing on your streets are the ones that I only ever see, outside of pubs, admittedly, mm -hmm. which the police never solve, mm -hmm. and when they get involved. Mm -hmm. They heighten the chances of violence in every single thing that they do. And it's because they don't really know what they're there for. They're not there to stop crime. Mm. They're there to, as far as I can see, if I was an alien visiting Earth, I'd imagine, I would guess that the police are there to search black teenagers, stop pe uh, black people in cars, um, talk to the homeless like endlessly in a kind of agitating way, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Stand outside theatres when the royals are there. <laughs> like I can't, I can't, I genuinely, I don't know what you have to do to see that this is has been this situation has been deliberately engineered by the Met, and they show no signs of even acknowledging mm. that anything's going to happen. And the worst thing is, this is the worst possible time to try and go for that because they're tightening protest law. Mm -hmm. um, the the threat of ongoing XR or Insulate, Insulate Britain protests mm. seems to be gearing up the Tories like nothing else to pass even more laws that are eventually going to be used against people in the street, not even protesting, just gathering. Mm. And again, there's enough vagueness and looseness, we covered it in another episode, that it will just continue on like this and it will be in up to each like cop to decide whether someone's breaking the law in each instance. Mm. And it sucks. Like, it's... It's what a civil libertarian left and liberal like tendency would might have something to say about. But it's as it is, we've got like abolish the police because you've left us with nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been quite nice chatting with you. We should do this again sometime. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> it's all right, isn't it? It is a bit, it's nice. Yeah. Um, we've been having a think just to finish off today. Uh, we've been having a think about kind of what what we want to do and what we want to achieve. You know, with we don't talk about the weather because we've been around for a while now. Mm. Let's say four years. I think something like that. Yeah. Um, which sort of sometimes I look at the episode count, it looks really impressive, and other times I look at it and it's like that's actually very few episodes for considering. Well, no. we've been going for five, four or five years. Well, Fitz is four like tomorrow. Oh wow! And Happy when we Fitz. and when we started, um, I had Dora. Yeah, yeah, you did. So yeah, so yeah. Yeah, it's older than that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been thinking about kind of what we want to do and what we want to achieve and how we focus because we never had a real focus on it. Um, this isn't like some kind of mission statement hmm. or like you know we're not starting up a Patreon or anything like that. No. Um, you know, it's it, it gets born out of frustration and it was actually Hugh who came up with the name for um, we don't talk about the weather. Um, obviously, it's paraphrasing the title of the Ulrika Meinhof book. Everybody talks about the weather. We don't. Um, that she originally took from. A, an SDS poster that was come came from a German rail poster. <laughs> Everybody talks about the weather we don't, suggesting that the train ploughs through all of the obstacles and all mm. of the weather and all that kind of thing. And, you know, it kind of reflected the fact that we felt that talking about the weather had this, like a lot of politics ends up inevitably talking about, mm. in, in, in like it's as small talk as gossip and stuff like that. And that kind of thing has an ideological function. It, it serves as kind of a blockage um, to avoid talking about what's actually happening mm. or as you see it. Um, and I think we wanted to try and try and get past this. And obviously that it's never made very easy by the fact that, you know, our news and opinions and our ideas kind of get triggered by largely Twitter mm. and social media and things like that, which encourages that kind of like 
brief foray into things and, and gossip and stuff like that. Again, like if you if you want to get into that, it's fine. It's just it's not it's not the whole thing. But I was thinking about it the other day as well, and it's the weather's not just talking about the weather's not just a, a blockage. It's also one of those things that you can end up finding quite futile. It's necessary, but it's futile. Mm. The weather happens every single day. And it's interesting in the UK at least because it's different every day. It's novel, it's new, you know, there's there's some new angle on it. Mm-hmm. But without fail, it's always gone the following day. Mm-hmm. It is the one truth of weather that it <laughs> doesn't hang around and it will be it will be different. And like, you know, over the past couple of years, people have kind of gotten into a rhythm of being very excited. I think a lot of people are trying to get out of that now, I think, mm. it, it, the, mainly because there's not a, a focus, you know, like yeah. it, it, the returns on ship posting are a lot less when we're streeting and whoever uses it to justify who they are. Mm. Their political identity is largely based around anti-ship posting, which in itself is a form of ship posting. Um, and like, obviously, we always get caught between like not wanting to give he shit. He said, what? The time of day or the oxygen that it is, but that it has. But like looking at the day-to-day stuff now, there's an increasing number of actual fascist enablers. I mean, uh, mm. Lionel Shriver gets published on the reg mm. saying that a cleansing is needed <laughs> and that uh, people of colour are replacing white people mm. to, as a negative. Like it's, it's getting to that stage. Yeah. And I think like there was something over the break that I saw... Um, it was actually on Twitter again. But mm-hmm. This is not to judge Twitter, of course, because there's gems of, of condensed speech that really sum something up a lot better than you know you could ever do in a really long essay. Mm. But it was by um, uh, one of my favourite Twitter accounts, actually, um, at Mister Cons- at Mister underscore Considerate, um, and I know they listen. It said it was about the uh, I believe the Sarah Everard thing, and it was oh it may have been about the IRA. Uh, IRA kind of tri- uh, veterans being uh, oh army veterans being uh, absolved of, yeah. of crimes during the troubles, and it just went like more and more. It feels like the highest civic duty is to remember on behalf of those who no longer can. But the full weight of the state, with the conscious and unconscious cooperation of the press, is against you doing that. It's exhausting, and it's supposed to be. And I think like that's the best statement I've ever heard about what I think. You know, just another stupid podcast by two more no account but very handsome men uh, can do with this. Mm. It's only audio. It's only condensed audio an hour or so once a week Mm. to talk to people and to allow them that opportunity to remember and to remember that you need to keep particular critical skills and particular historical memories alive and to work out a way of fitting those memories and those critical skills in to a history that gives you a sense of where you are and where things could possibly go. Not just calling someone to account because of something they've said in the past and how it squares to the opposite of something they've said today, Hmm. but in a way that actually produces something and some kind of confidence because that's like what everybody seems to not have at the moment there's no everyone's frustrated you're frustrated Mm. i'm frustrated everybody's frustrated because we don't know where to turn and if you can provide some kind of bedrock of historical understanding and and the idea that this is not necessarily 
unique that people, other people in history and other people in recent history have been through this before and have felt this way, that you can transform that into something more positive in the future and that it's not over, history's not dead, history's not over. You know, we all talked about the end of history stuff, we talk about that a lot, but it definitely feels like there's an attempt to kind of brute force that through now. And to keep all of that alive in a country that absolutely does not value it is something that we actually need to look to do in this period where the left seems to be losing on so many fronts. Hmm. You know, seems to be receding and it it is desired by the most powerful people who have ever existed on this planet that the lessons we have learned and the experiences that we and others have gone through are just forgotten forever. Are hmm. just erased as if they never happened and I think we can take some comfort in the fact that for all the forces for a lot a significant number of the forces arrayed against the left the weather is all there is that fleeting going to be different every day but basically be like the same kind of thing and I think you've got to remember that the weather it keeps you from going outside when it's bad but it will be different tomorrow. Hmm. And that's, I think, like what I, what I want to achieve. I want to, I want to remember things for you professionally. <laughs> to keep, keep, keep it in mind and things that you've forgotten. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that's... Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, first episode back. Hmm. That's us in the bag. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll hopefully continue in this vein in the future. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow us, uh, follow us on Twitter at WDTATW underscore podcast. Uh, follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Struggle Ruffian. Yeah, and, I changed my uh, name. Yeah, you, you're, it used to be Tanner Smashing. It's now Struggle Ruffian, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Tanner Smashing is still there. It is my locked account for where I post my lewds. Nice. I don't your post lewds. any lewds. Ludes. Oh, I thought we had Quaaludes. Selling your Quaaludes. I would not share... A quaalude. They are fucking rare. Oh yeah, they're like gold dust. They're yeah, because they're, they're gone, aren't they? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. They stopped making them a long time ago. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I don't post my ludes. Yeah. Um, and you are um, currently oh, streaming as well. Yeah, I started Twitch streaming. All in front of me, streaming. Look at you. <laughs> dripping down the table. God. If you're interested in watching me play fighting games. I am interested in watching you play fighting games. I'll be doing that. Through single player. I'll be doing that on Monday. deconstructing the story. I'll be doing that on Monday. And I might pick another day as well. At the moment, I am streaming Melty Blood. Ah. A fighting game spin off of an old porn game. <laughs> a porn visual novel, no less. A porn visual novel. There is a character called Millhouse and a whole array of waifus. It is surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah. For more waifu action, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my dinner.